Welcome to the Behind the Drapes podcast. I'm your host, Kenny. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to Dr. Shamil Asher, who's one of the cardiac anesthesiologists here at the Department of Anesthesiology at Rhode Island Hospital. Dr. Asher is probably one of my favorite attendings here, mostly because he's been super supportive of all the things that I've been doing this year, but he's also just a great mentor and a great friend to work with in the operating room. Before coming to Providence, Rhode Island, he was in Chicago where he does anesthesia residency. Prior to that, he actually went to medical school at Brown University, and that's where he was first inspired to do anesthesia by one of our very own Dr. Rotenberg. In this episode, we're gonna be talking to Dr. Asher all about his life story and about how he brought a new life to this world, his son, Ion. Stay tuned to see what's going on behind the drapes with Dr. Asher. All right, last thing I want to touch on in your career is something outside of medicine, um, which you haven't really incorporated yet into your career, um, but your MBA pro, your MBA degree, which you've gotten over the past couple of years. Uh, one, what motivated you to get that? And two, where, what do you want to do with it? Yeah, um, I, I think it informs sort of my daily daily sort of decision making and things, you know, it's MBA, I feel like sometimes it's just a way of thinking sort of gives you sort of um, different perspectives. So again, going back to when I was in Kenya, going through the GCSE system, we choose our track of arts versus science very early. So I was probably 15 years old when I had to make a decision. Am I going to do sciences or I'm going to do arts? So I decided sciences, of course, and the only classes I took for the last two or three years while I was there was, you know, biology, chemistry, physics, and statistics, and mathematics, all these uh, sort of STEM things. So when I came to college, I, I, I thought that was normal. That's what people did where I was. And I came to college and I realized, wait a second, there's I can do these other kinds of classes. I can learn about healthcare economics. That's a class I took when I was at Clark. Um, you know, psychology and, uh, you know, uh, finance. I didn't even know that was an option for me. But of course, in undergrad, I was so focused on getting into med school that I continued to do classes in uh, in science. But Clark, being a liberal arts school, forces you to take classes beyond um, your own primary field. So I had to take a class in English. I did an English poetry class. And I did a um, philosophy class. It was philosophy of love, interestingly enough. And my econ class was healthcare economics. So those kind of things I didn't even know were an option when I was how did, in. How did you do in those classes? How did you do in philosophy of love? And you know, I think you know, pre-med, yes, it's about the stuff you learn, but it's really about how good of a test taker and how much, how good of a uh, studier you are, like how well you can True. study and focus in on the detail. This, you know, when people are like 4.0 GPAs and pre-med doesn't mean that they're well-rounded. They're just good at studying and good at taking exams. And I was definitely that person. Uh -huh. So I did well, but not because of, I learned anything. It's just because I knew what I needed to do. And I could sit in the library for hours and hours and get get the stuff done. So, uh, but I think those, you know, then I went to medical school and of course everything kind of, you know, sort of goes haywire. So I, I was always interested in uh, finance and economics and sort of I was always kind of keeping, a, you know, reading things and uh, sort of keeping myself sort of trying to educate myself. But it was really in residency that I sort of remember I was a CA2, my wife just matched into her neurology residency in Chicago. I was at University of Chicago. So I knew I was going to, after fellowship, come back to Chicago for at least a year or two years. And I, I had just um, starting CA3 year, I was not selected to be chief resident. So I had CA3 year where I had to kind of make a decision. I was like, am I just going to be just, just go through CA3 year doing, you know, what I was doing there anyway, and, you know, sort of excelling in the anesthesia part of things. And or was I going to try to sort of, you know, venture out and do something differently? And I think by being in at University of Chicago, which has a very strong business school, 
and knowing that I was going to come back to Chicago, that's when I decided I'll take the GMAT and uh, sort of branch out. So I decided, you know, I studied for that, took the exam during my CA3 year, applied during fellowship year and got into business school that I started as a first year attending. So I did it part-time and uh, I learned a lot. And I think ever since I finished, you know, it's just sort of changed, again, how I make daily decisions, gives me more of a long-term perspective. I certainly use it for personal finance um, reasons, but you don't need an MBA for that, um, whether it's for myself or the lectures that I give the medical students. Uh, I, I don't know what the long-term plan is. This is one of those, you know, I was listening to a podcast and Atul Gawande said, before age 40, you should just say yes to everything because you don't really know what you like and, you know, you haven't been exposed to a lot of things. Um, and then once you're doing it, you realize whether or not you're enjoying it. If you enjoy it, you keep doing it. And if you don't enjoy it, then you should stop. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things that I kind of just wanted to get exposed and sort of get a sense of what it was like. And uh, and I do enjoy it and I continue to keep up with it. I, I don't know where it's going to take me. I think it's one of those like five or 10 year plans that, you know, in the future, having a sort of business degree certainly helps. Um, and hopefully, you know, I'll sort of start incorporating it as well. But even if I don't do any of that stuff, I can, you know, just the knowledge alone, I think is worth, you know, sometimes you just want to learn things for the, the curiosity yeah. of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and running your own personal finance saves you enough money that you can pay for the MBA multiple times over <laughs> the course of your career. Yeah, I think it's interesting. The other point you made, it just kind of impacts the way you make everyday type decisions. I'm sh like, I'm sure it's just a different way of evaluating risks and benefits. Absolutely. I think it gives you a bigger, like a sort of more long-term perspective is really what it is. Like may, a, a lot of medical school, pre-med med school residency is short-term. What am I going to do next year? What's my next fellowship? You know, you're sort of very focused on kind of your short-term things. And um, and when we become attendings, we don't really know sometimes what people, people get lost because every time there was a path, like when you were a first year resident, you were figuring out what residency, what fellowship you want to do. And then you're going to go to that fellowship. And after mm -hmm. fellowship, you're going to be an attending. And now you're an attending and there's nothing. What's next? There's nothing. Right. Right. Like you've just been attending forever now. And I think um, having this sort of, you know, extra skill set, I guess, or extra thought process or sort of an outside perspective, uh, I think helped me kind of like, you know, work through that a little bit better. And uh, yeah, I, I think, again, you don't need to do an MBA for it. I think I did the MBA because I was at University of Chicago. I was going to be able to go to a strong uh, business school. I did a part-time program so I could do it in person. Um, but you can certainly, people can learn it on their own, you know, whether it's books or courses. There's so many resources now online, including podcasts. And um but it's just one of those things that you have to have that interest and it has to be intrinsic. If you're interested in it, I think it's worthwhile and certainly you can gain a lot from it. Right. And it's probably not fair of me to say that you don't use it because you you give the lectures. You give the lectures to medical students. Um, I think we've talked about maybe even talking to residents a little bit about it. Um, but it's definitely a missing pillar in medical education of just like simple finance literacy um, and future planning. And I feel like having somebody with a background like yourself to lecture medical students or even residents can be really helpful. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, people have made careers out of this, right? Like you can go online and find people who literal job is personal finance education directed towards medical medical um, professionals. And uh, so, I again, I can't solve large problems. I start small. So I give... Uh, 
sort of a sort of three-hour workshop to the four, fourth year medical students. I'd love to give one to the residents too. So maybe we can you can help me sort of make that happen before you graduate. And then uh yeah, and then again it sort of builds from there. So you know I've already had a few other attendings who have shown interest and then you know I can sort of incorporate them and make it in, you know, the places that have uh, fi uh, personal finance type curriculums that last a semester at, mm -hmm. at the high school level, starting from first year. That's really when you want to start this. So I've started small, but hopefully over the years, it will kind of build on itself. But again, you don't need an MBA for any of this stuff, but uh, it certainly helps and certainly mm -hmm. gives you that credibility so that when I stand in front of them and I say, oh, yes, University of Chicago booth, uh, MBA, yeah. um, so that's why you Bol should listen bolsters to you. Yeah, bolsters yeah, you. Yeah, so I guess then people are like, oh, I guess I should listen to what he has to say. <laughs> it's not just another conversation you're having in the break room. Uh, right, getting like your <laughs> your father's friend's advice about how to manage your money. Yeah, or even worse, it's like, trust me, I, I you know, it's like when this whole Bitcoin and meme stock craze is going on. Yeah. Um, it was just nonstop, even in, um, maybe in the resident lounge, but certainly in the attending lounge, I was like, I don't know, I, I know this is the way it's going to be like, okay. Well, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. In a bull market, everyone's going to win, but now in when times are in the bear market, people are like, Oh, okay. Actually, I guess I didn't really know what was going on. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it just kind of gives me that, that perspective and sort of that background knowledge that uh, you can sort of work through it. So you can control yourself <laughs> during those times. Yeah. I have no doubt that's going to take you you're, you're going to use it somehow or, you know, it's, or you're already using it, like I said, but if anything, I think fulfilling that thirst for education is, is so valuable. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's something completely different to me. Like, you know, there are many people who do finance degrees and stuff in college than who kind of have that knowledge, uh, but I didn't. So I wanted to kind of learn it. And now it's just up to me to kind of keep it up, you know, again, through blogs and books and uh, podcasts and things like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, Again, the opportunities are limitless. And as you have shown yourself, you, you, the only thing restricting is usually your own thought yourself. process and your, yourself. You're, oh, it's always self-limiting beliefs. Uh, and these are the things that kind of open your mind to say that, you know, there's other things that you can do. And uh, I, I enjoy clinical medicine, so I'm in no rush to certainly get out of that. So, you know, if that was something I didn't enjoy, then I would have that option of saying, you know what, I'm going to stop doing what I don't enjoy and perhaps start something on my own or... Uh, you know, do consulting and, you know, MD, MBAs get consulting positions very easily mm -hmm. um, and get consulting positions. So it just gives me that other option. So any, you know, any day that I feel like clinical medicine is not doing it for me or, you know, if I'm not uh, able to keep up with it. See you guys later. I'm pretty valuable. Yeah, yeah I guess. Uh, yeah, it gives you those options. I mean, sometimes. Yeah. I love it. And, uh, I love it. Just knowing it's just about the knowledge about knowing what's out there. And, uh, right. You know, what else you can do what your what your worth is what your worth is exactly yeah yeah well thanks for your time dr asher this has been awesome yeah i really enjoyed it thank you so much for uh including me of course i see a lot of myself in you um and it's funny lillian asked me like why you were going to be the first one because she was like you're, he wasn't the first one you interviewed and i was like well i had some intentionality in how i ordered everything really just a couple people um, but you're one of like a few people besides myself who like encourages me to do this stuff and like keep going with it. So I had to pay my dues and pay my respect to you. Well, thank you. I mean, it is very motivating that you kind of do this as well. And, you know, our stories are not, you know, especially it's this true 
which is why I kind of enjoy what you're doing because even the 10 minutes that I've heard about Maslow, there's like more things that are common about people than not. We just focus on what's different. Um, so even those 10 minutes I heard, I, was, I could hear things that, you know, sort of I could relate to. And things like this kind of, I think, bring that sort of commonality a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, there's more in common between what you, you know, go through and what I've been going through and the decisions you made and, you know, sort of the things that I had to do. So absolutely, um, I'm glad that you kind of stepped up and said, you know what, it doesn't matter what, this is what I want to do and this is what I enjoy. Yeah. So you know, it doesn't matter what everyone else says or it doesn't matter what, uh, what the standard traditional path of things is, I'm going to sort of carve my own. So kudos yeah. to you for doing that. Thank you for including me in this. Hopefully it lives up to your expectations. Because it's gonna go, it's gonna go viral. If it goes viral, yeah, exactly. Well, actually, it'll go viral in Kenya too. I'll send it to all. Oh, the perfect! It's gonna go internationally viral. <laughs> Look at this guy now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. but, uh, yeah, no, I'm happy to do this. I'm happy to support you and sort of all your endeavors, not only now but even in the future. So don't forget about us when you're a big shot ICU <laughs> doctor. It's interesting, kind of thinking. I'm you took me down memory lane sometimes. It's like, oh, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> it's fun. It's very fun. It's kind of fun. All right, man. Awesome. Good chatting with you. I'll see you yeah, in person I'll soon. Yeah, hang out again. Come, come by sometime, and you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, take care. All right, bye. Bye.